You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our hobby series here on The Coffee Hour, having a little too much fun with that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and this one is just going to soar today, I tell you. Oh, oh, oh punny, punny today. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh boy. Well, I'm, I, I really have a great time with this hobby series. I hope that you all are finding it helpful as well, um, looking at how we use the, the gift of time and maybe some things that help us in our multiple vocations as well. Um, so today... Uh, we get to visit with a seminarian today. Joining us uh, on the coffee, we're going to visit with a, a seminarian and learn about one of his favorite hobbies. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today is Wade Waterstreet. He's a second-year seminarian at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis and has a fantastic hobby excited to share with you today, radio-controlled aircraft. This is a new <laughs> one to me, but excited to share it. Wade, thanks for joining us on the Coffee Hour. Thank you, Andy, and thank you, Sarah, for having me on. So, Wade, tell us about this hobby of radio-controlled aircraft. Um, maybe even define it before we get into <laughs> how it's become a part of your life. Okay. Well, uh, starting with a uh, starting with a definition, uh, radio-controlled aircraft are small to large models of real or imaginary aircraft that are controlled by a radio controller. It actually looks a lot like a video game controller in some. Uh, in some respects. And essentially, you are in complete control of the aircraft. You are a pilot from the ground. That is fascinating. Do you have to have like an FAA license? Do you have to have a license to operate these vehicles? Oh, boy. That's a, that's a whole can of worms oh, right there. Oh, sorry. Is that a touchy <laughs> subject? Yeah. The, uh, the FAA is actually trying to gain control of the, of the uh. RC uh, RC, uh, hobby. And a lot of us are not having it. Uh, so if that is a, it's a bit of a sore subject, but yes, there is an FAA registration for all of my planes. So you mentioned real or imaginary. Okay. Where does imaginary <laughs> come into the picture on this when it comes to radio controlled aircraft? Oh, I, I've seen some crazy designs over the years. Um, I've seen people try to get a beach ball to fly. I've seen uh, <laughs> people recreate Snoopy's airplane when he is in his World War I uh, pilot persona. Um, I've seen, heck, I've seen someone try to make a jack-o'-lantern fly. Um, <laughs> so there are a ton of uh, air, aircraft concepts that people will just pop out uh, pop out of their heads uh, like you wouldn't believe. And then a, a lot of people take inspiration from the uh, from the EAA Air Venture uh, air show in uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where there are just hundreds of experimental aircraft that a lot of them look pretty weird. And you're going, how could those possibly fly? So the the imaginary part is is designs of things that shouldn't fly but actually kind of do or maybe not. <laughs> yes, um, or they are, or they could just follow the you know the normal idea of what an airplane is, but it's completely from the pilot's imagination. Um, I've seen uh, I've seen that happen plenty. That is really awesome. So you said that that you have licenses for all of your aircraft. How many do you have? Uh, currently I have six, but only four of them are flyable right now. 
for those of us who have kind of no idea what that actually means, what what are these aircraft? Do they look like regular like planes that we would see in the sky over our heads? Actually, uh, actually, Sarah, yes. Um, uh, five of my six aircraft are based off of real rear real airplanes that flew in the skies. Um, they are um, what are called warbirds, um, which means they are modeled after uh, military aircraft from uh, from uh, across the the century of flight that we've been in. Um, most of them are World War II or roughly around that. Um, I've got a couple that would be from the Korean conflict. Uh, sitting right next to me is actually a P-39 Aracobra from the Second World War and the DH-100 Vampire, a British jet, actually their very first jet. So with all of you're sparking my, my history nerdery here, with all of these planes <laughs> that come from uh, wartime, does that mean that you're also into uh, war history and, and history of the planes in real life? Absolutely. Um, if I could just make a little recommendation, there was a series on the History Channel before they went reality TV uh, called uh, Dogfights. And it was all about military aircraft and their contributions in uh, in wartime. Basically, they recreated uh, the major engagements uh, using digital animation um, of major fights during World War II. Uh, and also focusing on specific aircraft. So uh, it's still one of my favorite uh, series to go back to if I need a refresher. So it sounds like history is certainly a part of this hobby that's important to you. What are other aspects of this hobby? Like, how do these machines actually fly? What are they? Are, are they electric? I, tell us more about the, the equipment itself. Okay. Well, yes, all of my planes are electric. Uh, they run off of what's called lipo batteries, uh, lithium polymer, and that's very similar to the uh, to the batteries that power our phones. But these could put out a ton of juice. Um, basically, they can force out electricity a lot faster than any phone's battery could. Um, but um, there are segments of the pop uh, of the of the RC hobby that are called gassers. I'm called a sparky. Uh, in the hobby, <laughs> uh, but and yeah, uh, gassers and the two will, don't mix. <laughs> yeah, uh, gassers will uh, run what's uh, run their planes off of what's called glow fuel, uh, which is a which is a bit weird of a name. I've never really figured out what where it came from. Uh, it doesn't glow in the dark or anything like that. Uh, but um, and then there are those that will actually do uh, that are actually gliders. Um, where you have radio controlled uh, gliders and they can keep their planes up for four or five. I've see, even seen eight hours before. That's a lot of sky time. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah. So Wade, where did you first get interested in this hobby? Where did it begin for you? Ooh, I was a, I was a very little kid and I've always been fascinated by things that, that move. Uh, my mom couldn't get me to shut up about, uh, about, uh, steam locomotives. And then when uh -huh. I found out about these guys called the Wright brothers, I became obsessed with, uh, with anything that was in the air. Um, and the Wright brothers just have a really fascinating history. Uh, if you learn about their, uh, their time in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, I think it was close to a year that they spent there 
uh, just experimenting with this one uh, with this one aircraft design, getting it just right. Uh, it's fascinating. So it grew out of that, and then I wanted to, I wanted some way to make it, uh, make it more real. I guess uh, you could say that this was more subconscious than actually, um, actual active thought. But I wanted to make it more real. Uh, I had the little plastic models of airplanes that you could find at pretty much any hobby store, but I wanted to take it a step further. Uh, and that's when I found my very first plane, which is sitting in pieces, unfortunately, right now. <laughs> uh, the uh, Grumman F4F Wildcat by Park Zone. Um, and it's been, uh, she has a nickname, the Battered Old Bell. Uh, and <laughs> she is, she's pretty sad right now, unfortunately. <laughs> So who has been influential in in learning this hobby? And maybe maybe some of these people are, are historical figures, too, that have, have influenced this hobby for you. Well, uh, the Wright brothers, uh, of course, have been one. And then also I've actually had some brief uh, interactions over the years with uh, uh, General Chuck Yeager, um, uh, who is possibly one of the most famous pilots to ever, ever live in the last century. Um, he, uh, uh, he firmly believes that there is no such thing as an airplane that cannot fly. Uh, and, uh, the RC hobby, even though he does not participate himself, as far as I know, uh, he has, um, uh, he just believes that this is the area where you can really, uh, push aircraft to the limit and at minimal cost because you don't have to put a, uh, a, pilot into it and risk a fireball at the end of the runway <laughs> though with with gas or airplanes yeah you can still have fireballs so do you have to with with the radio controlled aircraft do you need what what kind of space do you need in order to fly Ooh, that's uh um that'll bring up a story for my uh uh most epic fails uh <laughs> but um Generally, you want a uh, for my planes. You want a pretty large field. Um, you know, I'd prefer you know, say two soccer fields put together, or maybe even three would be ideal. Um, but the bigger the plane, the more space it needs. Um, I've seen some European RC shows. Uh, I saw a model of the Concorde, the supersonic jet that was a uh, jet airliner. That was ten feet long. Uh, it needed, oh. it needed, you know, just three or four miles to turn around. Hmm. So, curious uh, curiosity is is caught me now. Does this include um, <laughs> drones, which have become very popular over the last Ugh, couple of years? I hate that term. Uh, uh, <laughs> RC, RC pilots have a very uh, love hate relationship with that term. Um, what you're thinking of a uh, of as a drone, we would qualify as either tricopters, uh, quadcopters, hexacopters, or even octocopters. Um, basically, num numbering that the number of motors that they have. Um, Look but uh, if you want me to go into it, I could uh, go into that after the break. Look at me striking all the nerves this I morning. <laughs> Finding all the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> we are. 
We are in our hobby series today. We're talking with Wade Waterstreet about his hobby of radio-controlled aircraft. We have more to talk about when we come back in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our hobby series, and this is a fun one today. Um, <laughs> one that I have not spent much time learning about, but I'm fascinated with today. We're talking with Wade Waterstreet, a second-year seminarian, about his hobby of radio-controlled aircraft. And I managed to find all the like the sensitive issues with this hobby today. <laughs> uh, but Wade's being a good sport and, uh, and, and continuing the conversation with us today. Uh, before we went to break, Wade, we were talking about the space that you need in order to operate a uh, radio-controlled aircraft. And then what, what are the types of radio-controlled aircraft? And then I asked the ever-so-sensitive question of whether or not drones qualify as radio-controlled aircraft for this hobby. And uh, you were educating me on their, their, the, the nomenclature, it's, it's better to call them by the number of motors they have, such as a, it, what was it, a quadricopter if it has... That's five or four. four that's correct, motors. Andy. Um, now, of course, the 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 broad term drone has been used, but most most people in the RC hobby generally uh, prefer that term to be used only for military aircraft that do not have a pilot. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we have such an issue with the term, because it gives a very bad impression of of the hobby. Um, obviously a lot of our planes are based off of military aircraft, but they don't have any weapons. They don't, uh, they don't hurt anyone. Uh, so it's unfortunately a bit of a, too big of a logical step usually in the, in the news, uh, for, you know, for, you know, for, for the 10 second soundbite, so to speak. So <laughs> the news likes the term drone. Uh, you alluded to your most epic fail earlier. What are some memorable mistakes from this hobby for you? Okay, well, both of them actually involve the Wildcat that I was talking about earlier, um, which is my oldest and most reliable of the uh, of the airplanes that I have. Um, all of these airplanes require a lot of maintenance to keep flying. In that, they have a lot of commonality with real airplanes. Lots of maintenance. Uh, but... The Wildcat, the first one, uh, the first real big incident was when I was setting up for a landing. It's actually a belly lander. It doesn't have regular landing gear, as you would think. It just uh, it has a skid on the bottom of it that allows it to land uh, on its belly. Um, but uh, I misjudged how fast I was going. And this was actually uh, back home in Rockton, Illinois, just north of Rockford. Uh, and when, uh, I misjudged the landing in a drainage ditch that we had, uh, behind the house, 
uh, or I should say a drainage pool, really. Uh, so um, it was coming towards me, towards the house, and I misjudged how fast I was going. So I had to pull out of the uh, out of the landing attempt. Well, the airplane did something that's called a torque steer, uh, where when the propeller spins up to uh, to max throttle again, it causes the whole plane to lurch to one side or the other. Um, it's kind of like how you can feel this if you're in a car and suddenly the steering wheel kind of wants to yank uh, to one side or the other um, when you uh, when you accelerate. Um, but uh, in any case, I lost control of the aircraft and it uh, it plowed into the side of the house uh, and broke oh, no. a few pieces of siding. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All my dad could do was uh, he laughed and he said, at least it's not someone else's house. Uh, <laughs> he did make. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, that was awkward, to say the least. Um, but of course, I got it repaired again and flew, flew a bunch, uh, flew a bunch more. And then uh, its second most interesting incident happened just this last October uh, on the SEMS campus. I was. Uh, flying it. Uh, I know over, where this is going. <laughs> yeah, over the over the. Uh oh, Andy's heard of this. Uh, but the uh, the soccer field uh, behind campus, and I was flying the plane. And unfortunately, my eyes have just a little bit of a depth perception um, uh, deficiency. Not enough for glasses, but my. Uh, but basically, my doctors have said it's not enough for glasses, but it's there. Um, and I actually lost uh, orientation of the aircraft. I couldn't tell uh, how far out it actually was. And, well, I made a turn, in turn uh, intending to go around the big radio tower uh, at the end of the field. And the airplane sl slammed into the radio tower. And that's why it is still in pieces right now. Because I'm still uh, uh, having it under repair at this point. Um, the radio tower definitely won. <laughs> so that was your first interaction with KFUO. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, thank thankfully, um, this was one thing that really made me realize uh, how special the, the seminary was. Uh, I I kind of lost it when the... Uh, when my wildcat went down, it had been over two years since its last major crash. And honestly, I thought I was getting good enough. Uh, you know, arrogance and self-confidence can sometimes be the devil's handiwork, uh, so to speak. Uh, and I, I kind of lost, uh, lost all decorum. I, I, I was crying like a baby, unfortunately. And this got around to all of my, uh, all of my classmates and, I don't know whether it was pity or brotherly affection, uh, uh, philos, as you would say in Greek, uh, or close to that. Um, but they pooled together my entire class and bought me a new plane. Um, and that's Aww. where the Aracobra uh, came from that's sitting next to me uh, right now. Um, uh, it's uh, I, 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 I could hardly believe it. Uh, just... Uh, <laughs> You know, the seminary is a special place, and so are the people that that come here. And I, I just couldn't couldn't believe it at the time. 
um uh there were many hugs all around many hugs <laughs> so talking about these uh, memorable mistakes what kind of insights do you have for new people who are now interested in this hobby uh but don't know where to start and maybe are a little scared now <laughs> okay uh yes it, it could be a scary hobby first thing first things first um this is a hobby that you can actually jump into fairly quickly. There are uh, the companies that make these aircraft, uh, one of them being Horizon Hobby. That's one of the companies that made a lot of my aircraft. Um, but they actually offer aircraft that the controller, the battery, the plane itself are all set up, ready to go in the box. Uh, and you can just take the plane out and uh, try, try your luck at it. But also, um, there are specific aircraft that you want to focus on if you are a beginning. Military aircraft like I have are a really bad idea for a first-time airplane, and I did not know that. The Wildcat being a warbird was a horrible choice for a first aircraft. Um, uh, so I, I learned the hard way, uh, so to speak. The best way is to find an airplane that is somewhat based on the... Cessnas that you would see at like a little tiny airport. Uh, they have what's called a high wing, um, which means the air the wing is usually at the top of the aircraft, uh, as opposed to maybe in the middle or on the bottom. And these airplanes are usually very, very docile, uh, and you can control them fairly easily. And sometimes they won't have they won't have all the the bells and whistles that uh, that these planes do. Uh, so there's less distractions all around. How has your participation in this hobby of radio-controlled aircraft um, taught you something, or or how has it um, impacted your multiple vocations? Well, I got to say that when uh, some people find it easiest to pray when they are uh, on their knees, uh, you know, at the at the chapel or find it easiest to pray before bed. I find it easiest to pray uh, when I'm in the air, actually. To me, flying is one of the purest expressions of God's uh, God's creation in that the laws, the laws of physics uh, that determine how airplanes can fly, they're God's creation, too. And we've learned how to uh, be stewards of this uh, of this creation, both large and small. Uh, so in my vocation as a, uh, as a learning pastor, it is a time for me to, uh, reflect and also to, uh, to meditate, uh, on, uh, on God's majesty, I guess I could put it that way. So, um, the, the, the various forms of, uh, of how we, uh, how we talk to God, so to speak, uh, come in very different ways, but this is mine. So you enjoy the the first article gifts and that that time outside. Obviously, it has to be outside. Uh, I couldn't imagine trying to do that inside. There actually uh, are little oh, tiny no. airplanes. <laughs> oh, so um, there's, there's a whole another realm of this hobby that we haven't even. Oh yeah, I I could, I could go on and on, Andy. And honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind, but uh, I have to keep this at least somewhat brief. <laughs> 
Well, it sounds like you've learned a lot through this process, whether it's from um, f- from failures and crashes and things like that, and uh, the the generosity of your friends, your your brothers around you at the seminary to uh, to be there and comfort you when you learn from those experiences to just enjoying God's creation and being outside uh, and enjoying and, and learning about, as you pointed out, the physics as well. Um, that that's fascinating. Just the the dynamics of a, a plane hadn't even thought lift, about that. And lift, gravity, mm-hmm. thrust, drag—the four forces of the aircraft. Fascinating stuff, and the history as well. So many aspects to this that I hadn't really thought about. Thanks for enlightening us and uh, it, it just teaching us something about. Uh, this hobby of radio-controlled aircraft. Now, you mentioned earlier you have six aircraft. Is that right? Six of them, yes. And one is in pieces. <laughs> uh, yes, actually, three of them are in pieces. Oh, three. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what you mentioned earlier, something good to start with. You know, if if someone's getting started, what what type of a, a device would would you recommend someone start with? I would recommend a very uh, I would actually recommend first, don't go for small. Uh, small planes can uh, can have weird things that'll happen to them. Um, bigger, bigger planes, but also what I described, uh, high wing where the wing is on top. Uh, and also, for beginner pilots, you don't need the ailerons. Uh, they, <laughs> the ailerons are the uh, the part of the aircraft that allow it to roll. Um, but most air, but all aircraft have a rudder, just like a ship. Um, and uh, when you're learning how to fly, that's all you need to learn how to turn. Um, uh, the uh, the ailerons will come later. Well, thanks for all the insights today on this hobby of radio-controlled aircraft. Our guest today, Wade Waterstreet, second-year seminarian here at Concordia in St. Louis. Wade, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today and being part of the Hobby Series. My pleasure. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.